0: Father in heaven, we do surrender our lives to you this day. God, if there's someone here today who has not come to that place, I pray that you would draw them by the power of your spirit. Jesus, we are grateful for all that you have done and for all that you've given. Lord, I know there are those here today that are struggling and have difficult circumstances in their life. Lord, I pray your blessing of power and mercy and healing upon them this day. Lord, for those, Father, who, uh, God, are searching for You, I pray, God, that they would open up their heart and they would sense and experience Your Spirit. And, Lord, for those, Father, who are seeking to follow You, Lord, I pray that we would humbly open up our hearts and receive the Word uh, that will be shared through Your servant Randy today. So, God, we want to give You thanks and praise for what you've done. We want to give you thanks and praise for what you're doing. And Lord, we want to give you thanks and praise for what you will yet to what you are yet to do. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right.
1: Now, for for those of you that were here in the summer when we had beach balls and I was speaking, we're not going to start throwing baseballs. All right? So don't be looking for a helmet or anything. We're okay, all right? And uh, those of you that I gave gloves, that's about as interactive as you've got to be on this, all right, just to hold the glove. So no, no problem. Dylan is the one that's the most interactive at, at, of all. So why don't you give a hand for Dylan up here because he's got the bat. Now, I don't want you to swing it, okay, because these people on the front row appreciate their teeth, all right? But I do want you to pretend like you're a lefty, all right? And uh, And so you're up here now. Dylan is. uh Let's see. Where's my first base? First base. Here we go. First center field, way out there in the back. There we go. Third base is over here somewhere. There we go. All right. Now, and there's a pitcher. There we go. We have a pitcher right here. All right. Now <clears throat> we've set the stage, and what I want you to consider right now is that Dylan is actually playing the role of Omar Quintanilla. All right. And you may say, "Well, who is he?" Well, he's an auxiliary player for the for the Rangers. Right. He's not a starter, all right? But, okay, no, here, just relax for just a second here. Let's put this, right, I'm afraid you're going to hit somebody. Okay, now, here's, you stay here with me, all right? You're doing great. Great job. Don't keep, don't keep doing what you're doing. All right, now, let's just pretend for a minute like we're in the division series, right? And, honestly, the Rangers helped me out a little bit because if they had lost yesterday, this analogy starts to go south, all right? But... (laughs) <clears throat> Let's just say, for a second argument, right, that uh, what happens with the Rangers, okay, and let me just pause for a minute and say, if you're not a baseball enthusiast, just work with me, alright? I know some of you, some of you are not big baseball fans, I get that. Some of you are big time football fans, and you're like, you know what, seriously, baseball should be over at Labor Day. I get that argument, okay? I understand that, alright? The season is long. It was especially long for the Astros this year, my team, <clears throat>
0: that
1: finished 50, 56 and 106, they were in last place for every game of the season. <laughs> Astros. Okay, go Astros. Um, but, <clears throat> so the division series winners, here we go. You ready? Okay, here's, I, I had to write down, I want to make sure I got this right. Okay, here's how it's going to look, right? You ready for this? We got the Rangers beating the Rays, right? Yes? yes? All right, yeah. All right. Then we got, we got the Yankees, no, no Yezer or boos at this point, just, let's just, bear with. Yankees beating the Tigers, Phillies beating the Cardinals, and Diamondbacks beating the Brewers, all right? So let's just go with that for a minute, all right? Then you keep walking that down a bit. League Championship Series, we got the Rangers beating the Yankees again. I don't know. Well, you can share about that one. That's fine. <clears throat> and you got the Diamondbacks beating the Phillies, all right? So that sets up this this, this great World Series, right, where you've got the Rangers and the, and the Snakes, all right? You got the Rangers, and Satan. You've got the Rangers and the... De- no, I'm, I'm just... No, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, but you've got the Rangers and the Diamondbacks, all right? And it's... Let's just let's pretend for a minute. It's game seven. That means it's three to three, all right? The game is tied, all right? It's game seven. The game is tied. It's the ninth inning. And Dylan Omar Quintanilla is up. <clears throat> and he's a lefty. And what that means is he's really looking right over here at the third base coach, who is Dave Anderson, right? Actually, we got our own Dave Anderson. You're sitting on the wrong spot. You're supposed to be over here. But Dave Anderson, Rangers third base coach, is right here, right? And he's like giving this signal, right? And the signal that he is giving you is to swing for the fences. And the reason why is not because you're a great home run hitter. Because Omar... And Omar, if you're listening on digital download, this is not offensive. I don't mean it's offensive in any way. But Omar's not hit a home run this year, right? You're not up to bat because they think you're probably going to get a home run, all right? The reality is there's a guy on third, and if you can just get the ball into the outfield, you win. Not only do you win the game, Dylan, I mean Omar, but you win the series, you win the championship, you win it all. All you got to do is swing for the fence. And get it into the center field. And if you do that, even if it's a sacrifice, game over. Because he's coming home. Give Dylan a hand. And as you do that, open up your Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter Chapter 8. And I want you to hold on to this picture as we jump into this book of Corinthians to see what it looks like to live a generous, sacrificial life. In the 8th chapter of Second Corinthians, Paul begins to write, and he's writing about these churches of Macedonia with the hope that their example spurs the Corinthians on. Right, because the Corinthians are doing a lot of right things. He mentions that in the passage, and he goes on to say, "You're doing so much well. Will you excel also in this?" But we're not going to camp out there. Oftentimes, you hear sermons about giving or generous generosity or whatever, and that's where we go in Second Corinthians. But I want to camp out on the first five verses. The example that Paul uses these Macedonian churches. There's a little bit of history here that I want you to be aware of. That really helps us out in understanding why he's using these churches as an example. First of all, Paul was really instrumental in these churches even existing. He received this vision while he was at Troas, where he saw this Macedonian pleading for help. And later, these these churches get established, and by the time that Paul is writing to the Corinthians, these churches are offering enormous amounts of help in giving monetarily to the Jerusalem Fund, to these other opportunities of getting the gospel out. Paul's speaking specifically about a couple of churches that will sound very familiar to you. One of the churches in particular that he's talking about here as an example is the church of Philippi. And we understand that the startup community here happened actually in Acts chapter 16, right? A story that you might be familiar with. Uh, Lydia, right? Lydia and her household. And Lydia is really noted for her hospitality in that passage. You can go look that up, Acts 16. And then also we find this This uh, conversion of this Philippian jailer and his family. A man that's highlighted for his hospitality and his generosity. And here are two of the founders of the Philippian church. Immediately what what, what they're known for is giving. Paul abruptly leaves that church. And later on writes a letter to them. Which is the letter of Philippians. And in that we discover through his writing. You can go back and check out this letter. That actually he's talking about them to them and about how they have continued to support him throughout his ministry and he mentions that even in the midst of their suffering and persecution they continue to give another church paul would have been referring to here would have been the church at thessalonica in Acts 17 one chapter later from the beginnings of the church of Philippi, we find the launch of this body of believers. And many are converted there, and persecution is intense, and Paul leaves, and later sends letters, two letters back that we have, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And as we look at these letters, what we discover is he is commending them for their brotherly love in the midst of the troubles that they're enduring, in the midst of poverty, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of all their trials. They have been giving greatly to the cause of Christ. I think understanding the DNA, the history of these churches helps us understand how rich this example is whenever he describes the Macedonians here. Why did they stand above the rest? What were some of the characteristics? And how might we be challenged to live generous lives? First, if you're taking notes, they exemplified giving with great sacrifice. And let's face it, we can give without great sacrifice, right? I mean, we do that all the time, right? We bag up a bunch of clothes that don't fit anymore, and we go take them to a box somewhere and drop them off. We have a garage sale and basically give stuff away that we really don't care about, that's broken, that's useless, that's the old school style. It's not a sacrifice. My family, we don't do pets, right? All you pet lovers out here, that's fine, that's great. We don't do pets. We do children. But for a brief window last year, we had three betta fish. All right? We had those betta fish because someone lied to me. Uh, they told me that betta fish would not live long. Um, I—that's <laughs> awful, isn't it? I did just about everything that I could to kill these fish. We didn't feed them, uh, we didn't clean their tank. We went on vacation and left them. You know, I mean, it was like we did everything we could, and these beta fish continued to live. And so, when we were about to move to this part of the Metroplex here, uh, we wound up giving those beta fish to our neighbors. Um, <clears throat> there was no sacrifice involved in that. There was great joy. Uh, but but really, it was just it was giving without great sacrifice on my part. And we do that all the time in our lives. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse two Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave beyond their ability. We've already looked at the history of these churches to see that they were experiencing great persecution. And, well, they were also very impoverished. And yet they gave, and here's some interesting words here in this passage, beyond their ability. You think that took just a little bit of sacrifice? Can you imagine the founding fathers of these churches that Philippi and Macedonia and also Berea would, would have been in that area as well? Can you imagine them sitting down? Well, what are we going to do for Paul this year? What is our What, what are our funds look like? Well, it's less than last year. Well, how's the attitude of our people? Well, our attitude's great, but I mean, we we got virtually nothing. Okay, well, let's double then. Double what we did last year. They gave beyond their ability. They practiced Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. You know, a Definition of faith, right, that we find in that faith chapter of Hebrews. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. They didn't see how in the world that was going to work out. They gave beyond their ability. So, Omar, Dylan Omar, he's up to bat, right? And he's ready. He's ready to go for it. And he's willing to do it, to swing for the fences and to go deep and to allow that sacrifice fly to occur and to get that out. And he's willing to have that out occur on his record so that his batting average does not go up. He finishes the last out of the season for the Rangers. He finishes still with no home runs, although he's had 40-something at bats. And you know what? It doesn't matter. Because he's won. The sacrifice is worth it. The sacrifice cost him something in his record. It didn't matter. He wins the game, he wins the series, he wins the championship, and the crowd goes wild. Well, not really, because the National League actually won the All-Star game, so it would be playing there. So their fans would be going, Uh, ah, but we'd be happy, right? Sacrifice isn't sacrifice if it's easy. Sacrifice isn't sacrifice if it doesn't cost us something. So you show up on Sunday, and you hear, well, the children's ministry... Can use you? Will you consider being a part of the home mission field here? Working with children here regularly. And you know what? In the back of your mind you're thinking, that's going to cost me something. (laughs) You hear, pray with your family about what you'll give to the journey, as Ron just described. And you think, wow, that's going to cost something. And it's so easy to sit back and go, I could have used that cash to Finish that deck out back. I could have used that time to sleep in and veg. Yeah. Because typically what happens is, it, when our life begins to get filled up with sacrifice, it also begins to increase the I could have. Oh, that, that that list is going to grow. I, I, I could have done a lot of things. I don't want you to miss this. I want you to look at Paul's words to the Philippians in chapter 4. You can go there. He says, listen, I know you've sacrificed. I know your list of I could have has grown. But don't miss this, Philippians, as he continues to cur uh to, to, to inspire them and spur them on. He says, Don't miss this, Philippians. And by the same token, don't miss this 21st century Christians. Verse 18 of chapter four. Your sacrifice has been considered a sweet fragrance to the Lord. And by the way, verse 19, (laughs) let me encourage you, Philippians, my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Oh, and by the way, Philippians, in case you didn't catch those first two points that I made here in chapter four, here's the last one I want to leave you with, right? Verse 20, (laughs) it's all for his glory. Your giving is all about him and not about you. They exemplified giving with great sacrifice. And B, they exemplified giving with great joy. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. It's interesting, in the letter of Philippians, what we find is the word joy occurring 16 times. Matter of fact, it's known in the New Testament, ready for this, as the joy book. It's the joy letter. Joy is all over this book. This book of the Bible that is focused in on these believers who are giving out of great sacrifice. So we go back to the diamond and Omar is up to plate. Is he thrilled at the prospect of about, of being at the plate? Is he thrilled at potentially sacrificing himself to a long ball that the center fielder catches? Absolutely. He's thrilled to be able to play in this game, in this moment, because he sees the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is there is a runner on third that is headed home. And that runner on third just needs the opportunity of someone willing to sacrifice. And our church, as we look at this campaign that we're in, or whatever you want to call it, the journey, the reality is, the focus is that the base camp expands. Because part of our mission, and it's on the wall all along the back, is that we are ascending church so that there's people constantly at third base ready to be sent home. And what they need is somebody at the plate going, I'm swinging for the fences. I'm ready. With great joy. I'm exemplifying giving. With great sacrifice. How does this look? Rock Point style. A nine-year-old joyfully filling out a brick bank for the journey because she knows that when she's giving, she's giving a sacrifice with great joy unto the Lord so that her other nine-year-old friends have a place here when it comes to Girl Talk and when it comes to Mission Possible and when it comes to all the other things that right now, crazy enough, we have to cap because we don't have the space for all the kids that we want to come in and be involved. And you know what? God says, Whoa, hey, hold on, why don't we swing for the fence and see how we can blow this thing up? So that all who wants to be involved can. It's the adult leaders who sacrifice every Wednesday night. They drop their kids off, and their kid runs inside, and instead of them driving their car to Starbucks to hang out for an hour and a half until it's over, they drive their car around to the parking lot and park and go inside. And are a small group leader. Enormous amount of sacrifice. Absolutely. And yet I've been over there. And I've talked to those ladies. And those men. And can I just tell you. They do that with great joy. Knowing that God is using students in their schools as ambassadors for him. And as they're growing up to be young, godly men and women of the faith. Those of you who may not know. Uh, Our fifth child is about to be born in about eight, nine weeks. And um, Levi, our youngest at this point, he's two. He's been sleeping in his crib the whole time. And now we need him to take a different route. Because we only have one crib. And so I decided I'm going to sit down and visit with Levi about this this week. I mean, you know, heart to heart, man to young child. And so we're sitting there talking about it. And I said, Levi, here's the deal. Because I don't want to do this like eight weeks from now whenever the baby comes in. It's like, new edition, see ya. Now that's that's like heartless, right? So we're trying to do it, you know, a little bit earlier. Should have done it earlier than this, but oh well. Whatever. So I'm sitting there talking to him about it, you know. And and I'm like, hey, brother, he's got a room with a bunk bed, fireman theme. Plenty of room for you. It's going to be great. Y'all play in there all the time anyway. Silas is five. He can't wait for brother to come in. It's gonna be fantastic. You're gonna love it. It's gonna be fa- I'm building this up. Levi looks at me stone faced, just like that. he's looking at me and goes, You can go. <laughs> I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Where did you learn this from? Your mother? What is this? I don't he's good. And so, right, you know, I tried a second time. And this time, unintentionally, unplanned, Silas is in the conversation as well. He's going kind to of stand here just watching the whole thing. And Silas, true story, at one point looks at Levi, interjects. He says, Levi, if you sleep upstairs with me, I will give you this candy. I'm thinking, why did I think of that? Because you know what? Levi looks at him and goes, okay. Are you kidding? Here's what's so great about this, right? I mean, Silas, listen, candy to a five-year-old? He's giving that away? He was doing it with great joy? It was a real joyful sacrifice at a five-year-old level that was received gratefully by a two-year-old who has been up in that room for five nights now. Yes! (laughs) <laughs> so in this letter, we got this giving with great sacrifice and with great joy and with great freedom. Second Corinthians eight three. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. When Silas gave it, it wasn't like some grand planned scheme of father saying you will do this you will give your last piece of candy to your no with great freedom he gave omar's at the plate He's ready to do this deal. And here's the here's the thing. Dave Anderson is standing right there and he's giving the whole, you know, that business, you know. Okay, that's fine. And and the and the and the and the cue he gets from him is to swing for the fence. Okay, we've got that. The guy's at third, he's gonna come home if the ball gets into outfield. We got that. We understand that. But the reality is Omar is still the only one at the plate. He can do whatever he wants to do. You know, I get in trouble later, but, but but he can swing or not swing. He can swing hard. He can swing soft. He can swing a variety of different ways. It's his choice. He's got great freedom in this. He's got great freedom at the plate. This is his moment to choose. If you've spent much time around churches, you know that usually at some point in the church service, there are people who walk around maybe with payment plates, right, where we put our payment in. Right, or you make your payment back there at the back somewhere. Right, and then you got you got you got Warren Buffett right over the last couple of weeks. And what has he been doing? He's been talking about, hey, what you're supposed to do is, if you're wealthy, you should be giving even more. You should be uh, just joyfully giving even more to the IRS. Just, just give, give, give. Okay, can I just tell you that both those examples I just gave you are backwards. They're backwards. Why are they backwards for us? Why does that not make any sense? Because I don't know about you, but when I think about the IRS, I don't think about offering. I think payment. Right? When I experience corporate worship here, we don't pass a payment plate. We give an offering. With one, there is requirement. Or else. With the other, there is great freedom. God designed it that way. Silas' generosity wasn't a payment made to his brother mandated by dad. It was candy, freely given. A true sacrifice for any five-year-old. 2nd Corinthians 8, 12 says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. Some of us, ah, oh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And God's like, you know, don't do it. <laughs> Wrong. Hold up. Take a few steps back. Have you approached sacrifice to me with great joy and with great freedom? Chapter 9, verse 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Let's pause for a minute. Maybe this is the place where you go, okay, God, I get it. This is the prayer that I needed to hear, that I need to pray. It's God, I want my have to give mentality to turn into a freed to give mentality. I don't have to do whatever is behind that wall as I serve, as I greet, as I serve in the children, as I serve with doing. I don't have to do that because nobody else will. I'm freed to do it. I don't have to write this check because they're going to be mad at me if I don't. I'm freed to. They exemplified giving with great sacrifice, with great joy, with great freedom and with great determination. Look at chapter eight, verse four. They urgently pleaded with us for the, ready for this, for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Basically, they would not take no for an answer. I mean, you've been there, right? Before when I mean, you've gone to the restaurant with some couples, maybe you go to Outback, you go to Texas Land of Cattle, whatever, and you're hanging out, you're having a good time, conversation is flowing, the meal's finished, dessert's finished, coffee's finished, everything's finished, and you look around and you're you're planning all the time to pay, right? I mean, you know, at least your part for sure. And you look around and somebody's already taken the tab, somebody's already paid the bill. They snuck the check, they wrote the whole thing off, they were determined to make the financial sacrifice for that portion of the meal. See, Omar's at the plate, and he's determined to make contact. Best picture of this in this context with baseball. Let's push the example now to three balls and two strikes. What an amazing amount of determination at the plate, because the pitcher is, he does not want him to walk. Now we got two on, and maybe only one out. He does not want him to get a base hit. He's throwing everything he can right where it needs to be. And Omar is, Dylan Omar is right there going, I am going to make sure that I make this bat count. And God says, listen, that's the determination when you live the Christian life. This is the determination you walk up to the bat with to say, you know what? I'm going to make sure that when I'm standing here as a dad, as a, As a parent, as a church member, as whatever, as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to make sure that my up-to-bat counts. It's got to count. For such a time as this, it's got to count. And with great joy and sacrifice and freedom and determination, those Macedonian churches gave. How does that look like for you? How does that look like for a follower of Jesus? In student ministry, I was probably 15 years into student ministry, I guess. I had a small group leader of a guy's group contact me about a family in our church. The father had just passed away of a heart attack. Son, sophomore year in high school. Dad was football coach at local high school. Great shape, drops dead, Gone. No longer husband in the picture. No longer father in the picture. And my friend is like, we got to pray for this family. You know what? The prayers that were on his heart pushed him to be sacrificial and joyful and determined and free in his giving. To the extent that for the remainder of that two and a half years... Of that kid's life in his small group. He met with him every week until he went off to college. And I could not think of a busier man in our church. But you know what? He said, listen. (laughs) God's called me in this moment. To swing for the fence. For this child. And to see him through to the next stage of life. What does it look like for you? What does your at-plate appearance look like? Because we're all standing there. They exemplify giving with great sacrifice and joy and freedom and determination. Verse 5. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. What did Jesus say on the Sermon on the Mount? He said, seek first your own interest, and then whatever you got left, give to me. Right? He said, don't worry about your life, verse 25. But seek first my kingdom, seek first what I'm about, and I will take care of the rest. What What, what compels us to do that? For Paul, he wrote in chapter 5, verse 14 of Corinthians, For Christ's love compels me. Because I'm convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. I think when we stand at the plate, we say, God, I refuse to be led away from the reality that it is your grace and your love, that it is Jesus Christ that compels me. And I am determined to give my life away. It's recognizing that everything I have has come from him. My family, my health, my savings account, my job. So here's where it gets crazy. God basically says, okay, here, Randy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lay it all out you to lay it all out right here. Everything before you that I've given you. And let's get your perspective clear. Because I've given you everything. I've allowed you to manage an awful lot. To lead it. To shepherd it. To steward it. And Randy, you don't deserve any of it. And this portion right here, crazy enough, I want you to give that back to me. And Randy, in doing so, it's going to remind you that really I've given all this to you. But when you give this away, you're going to be swinging for the fence. And I want you to trust me. It's going to be worth it. And I'm going to get you home. And the enemy's going to be defeated. Randy, I don't know exactly how that's going to look for you. I don't know exactly, or I know how it's going to look, but I'm not going to let you necessarily see how the results are in your life right now. I'm not going to let you see what that means whenever you give it away. Because you know what? If I showed that to you right now, Randy, here's the reality. Your eyes would go back to Randy and not to me. So that's why I just need you to trust me, Hebrews chapter 11. Place your faith in me. And remember that it's not about you. It's about me. When we trust him with our lives, we say, you're the king, you're the driver. I give rights to you. And you're going to be sufficient to meet all my needs. Where is that example for us best laid out of giving ourselves away? I would say second Corinthians. Chapter eight, verse nine, for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, though he had everything Yet, for your sakes, he became poor. So that through his poverty, he might become rich. Christ gave himself for us so that we might have the one and only way to the Father. I'd like for you to bow your heads for a moment. So our focus has been on Giving. And yet it turns for just a moment on receiving. Because maybe at this place in the service, what you needed to hear more than anything else is that there is a God who gave his son for you. And you've yet to receive that gift of eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. Who made the ultimate payment on our behalf to do what we could not do for ourselves. And gave himself completely away for us so that we might have access to the Father. And what you would say right now is, God, I need to be the recipient of that free gift. I know you died on, I know your son Jesus died on the cross and rose again to save me. Forgive me of my sin. By faith I receive You, as my Savior and Lord and friend, change my life. Make me new. Help me live for you, God. Maybe that is what you most needed to hear and do and experience this morning so that you move from creation of His to child of His. If that's you, I'd love to visit with you after the service. Just come down here and say, hey, I did that. I received the gift of salvation today. What's my next step, Randy? Let's talk about this. I want to share. I want to visit with you for a minute. I'll be right down here. I'd love to visit. For the rest of us, how in the world did God speak to you this morning? You weren't here by accident, by the way. He wanted you to hear something. That in our giving, there's sacrifice, joy, determination, freedom. That He's called us to give ourselves away. To make this plate appearance count. I'm going to pray and when I finish, Michael, I'm going to ask if if I could change something up for a minute. I would love for us to go back and sing, I give myself away. And I'd love for that to be our time to close, to say, God, you use me. I want to make it count for you, God. Father. We're about to stand up in a second and we're going to sing back to you this song that we've already sung once today. But God, it's a song that we just want to go back again and say, we might have just been singing through the lyrics. But God, we understand with much greater clarity right now, God, of what that giving looks like. Fueled by your love and your grace. God. thank you for the moment. And God, honestly, all I can say is (laughs) I don't even deserve to be up at the plate. None of us do. Thanks for letting us be at bat in your kingdom expansion so that all can know you, God. Father, may we give it's an act of love May our sacrifice be sweet to you as we give it away.